We are delighted, as always, to be supported by Herds Media for this podcast. Herds Media are your one-stop shop for everything videography and photography in the ag sector. Alistair and Sophie will be delighted to help you with any needs that you have in that sector. Please do visit their website or Instagram and Facebook page and see what they can do for you. to episode five of the one and only podcast. This week, Glyn chats to Carol Rutten of Bovigen Dairy Concepts, who gives a very informative discussion on the things that you need to do and look out for to build the very best dairy business. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode five of the one and only and our topic today is designing the future of farming. Our guest today is the one and only Carl Rutten from Belgium. Uh, Carl owns and operates Bovigen uh, Dairy Concept. Uh, Carl has had a, an amazing career in the dairy industry. Carl I think started as a well I've heard lots of stories. I think he started as a classifier for the Belgium Holstein Association. He's been an independent uh, genetics provider for many years. Uh, you spent several years in the USA consulting uh, with large dairy operators. You've been a partner in some elite Holsteins in Europe. Um, you've What else have you done? You've, you've been involved in several large uh, herds operations consulting on their design and effective team organization. Uh, and if that's not enough, you also run a successful international farm tours business. So welcome, Carl Rutten, to the one and only. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lucas. Thank you for the invitation. It's quite an honor that you select me. <laughs> yeah, but we've, um, I've known you, Carl, for what seems a, a lifetime. We've had uh, many wonderful times together. We've done some amazing things. We've traveled many miles, and I hope... Uh, some of our best projects are still to be deployed. Um, Carl, our topic this month is designing the future of farming. A perfect topic for the man who I call the David Attenborough of farming, of the farming world, because I don't think there's anywhere where you haven't been uh, where dairy cows produce milk. So Carl, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about uh, your company, Bovigen Dairy Concept. Okay, well, listen, as uh, you know, I was uh, born in 64, so I'm uh, I have the privilege to 60, be already 59. 60. You, can't be, you can't be that old. I was Goodness, born in good. 64, so. <laughs> 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 well, last weekend I was at a, at a festival and I met some people who I didn't see for, for 30 years. And I've told him, I said, next time we'll meet, we'll be about 85. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but listen, I'm uh, uh, married with my uh, wife, uh, Annalise Martes. She is a health and safety engineer. And then I have three tremendous kids. Uh, a boy, Lawrence, 20 years old, and he's a master in animal science and he's traveling the world. I mean, the genes, they will go on forever. And uh, he is, uh, well, since last year, January till now, he has been home for five weeks. The rest he will, was all over the world. Um, but if there are more questions about him, but he will be, well, I don't know if he will be my successor, but uh, at least he, is, uh, he has the genes and the potential to, uh, to grow into the dairy business quite well. Then I have a daughter, Catherine. She is uh, 23 years old. She's a bachelor in pedagogic science and working as an administrator at a youth service. And uh, she's also leader of a scouting group. And then my youngest boy, uh, the smallest one we say, but he is uh, over two meters. He's 19 years old and uh, wants to be the youngest franchise holder of my a McDonald's restaurant in the world. The youngest one at the moment is 28, but he wants to be the youngest. So. We'll see where that brings him uh, in, into the next years to come. 
Well, as you know, uh, well, as you introduced me, I worked as a classifier in uh, 88 and 89 and uh, got uh, involved more with genetics. And uh, so I had the opportunity to work for a Canadian uh, 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 semen export company uh, in uh, started in 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 ninety and ninety one, uh, and uh, got involved with the genetics, especially well. If you're working with the Canadians, then they are they have passion for good cows, they have passion for good yeah. families, and uh, that's how I brought got into the into the into the real breeding uh, industry. Uh, but then in uh, ninety six, I started my own company, and. Uh, that was uh, uh, selling semen. More in the beginning, it was uh, because there was a lot of parallel import of uh, semen, and uh, start doing that. But at the end, it uh, didn't work out well. It's not that I want to ruin the market, so I uh, created my own company under Bovigen. Bovigen stands for Bovine Genetics, and you bring the two words together, and then you have my name, my company name. So. Uh, in uh, 2000 because i was traveling traveling quite a bit uh, especially to north america canada and the united states and why united states i was in uh, worked as a trainee in uh, 1984 in, in the us in uh, different uh, different uh, parts of uh, the united states on on dairy farms well on a big dairy farm which was in those days like 300 cows and uh, so in 2002 there were a lot of people who were asking me well you know so many people in the u.s can you take us along uh we want to see what's going on maybe we want to relocate so i got uh, in touch with the dairy development company and those people are bringing in people from the netherlands germany belgium to uh, relocate and uh, so I got a little bit uh, more with the commercial side of the of the dairy business. So that means uh, more management about uh, also um, uh, locating of animal, uh, locating of animals, locating of farms, locating of uh, uh, good people. So I was uh, working more as a consultant, and that was in 2000 and. Uh, seven and 2008 I moved to the US together with my family and uh, we worked worked there in, uh, in especially in the Midwest Michigan Ohio Indiana uh, and helping people to uh, to find good uh, good animals that was the the, the first thing to uh, have a uh, bread and butter and uh, so that did bring me to uh, to farms across the United States. So I've been to 48 states so far, all driving. If I tell you that I, uh, in one week, I drove more than 6,000 miles of 9,600 kilometers to source cattle, going from uh, Michigan to Minnesota, to Idaho, to California, to Nevada, to Arizona, to Texas, to Kansas, all those places. It's been uh, I, I know all those all those big big commercial dairies in 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 in, in the United States. I was uh, in Florida. I was in, in Maine. I was in Vermont. I was in two states. I haven't been to is Alaska and Hawaii. All the rest, I've been all over. Wow. Uh, but then in ninety in two thousand eight, the bank crisis came. Uh, Lehman Brothers, and then the whole economic crisis started in the in the U.S. And uh, it was like an avalanche, and uh, it was forced to go back to the to Europe uh, because of uh, visa issues, and uh, there was no 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 business being done in the, in the U.S. And that's the reason I came back, and then I resumed my business in the semen companies in the semen business. Um, but coming back into uh, into Belgium or back into Europe. So people ask me about my expertise in um, in designing a dairy and designing uh, or set up a, a dairy or expanding, and uh, that brought me more into the uh, like milking technique, management support, ration balancing, 
uh, ventilation, uh, green fuel operations, equipment, everything what has to do with, 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 with farming, especially dairy farming, I have uh, my expertise and knowledge with it. And I think that's summarized a little bit what Bovigen uh, Dairy Consum stands for. No, that's that's phenomenal, Carl. And I know many times I uh, called you on the phone when you were in the well. Doesn't matter where you were, but you were always uh, always on the road traveling. It's um, it's it's phenomenal what you've seen, Carl. What what's you you've worked in North America a lot, and you've came back to Europe. And what's what's would you say the two main differences, like culturally, when you're working with uh, with people? What, what what would you say you've you've noticed that over the the years, do you find the what I culture? what I see the, the biggest difference? What I see is uh, that was a question I got asked at the World Area Expo a couple of years ago, and they asked me. They said, "What is the biggest difference between uh, United States and Europe?" I said, "Well, that that give, that started me thinking." And then I said, "Well, listen, what I see in the United States is you run your dairy farm as a business." You run your dairy farm, it has to be profitable. If I ask 100 people in the United States, what is the cost of production? About 95% of the people can give me an answer. If I ask the same question in Europe, then 95% cannot give me an answer. And that started me thinking. I said, well, listen, you have to consider and you have to, you have to run your dairy farm as a business. It has to make money. And there is that. That's that's what what I see as the biggest difference between North America and, and Europe. Yeah, there is a lot and of emotion, emotion, emotionally attached uh, to 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 farming in Europe, uh, and and it's 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 uh, while well, taking over the farm and 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 mentality and 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 if I talk to to to. For example, I was in, I was in Colombia uh, last February, and I was uh, driving around with Wade, uh, uh, I forgot his name, uh, and he is the, the the secretary of the dairy farmers of North America. But then you see, he says, "Well, listen, we have also the young farmers of dairy farmers of America, and those are the top top five percent of the dairy farmers and the." The youngest is 20 and the oldest one is 25 and they come, they gather together and the topics they discuss to move forward. It's just unbelievable. And that's something I don't see enough here in Europe. And you think that you think that will change, Carl, as the next the younger generations are coming forward? Do you think that attachment, that emotional attachment to the land and the generational thing, do you think that's changing or, or not? Or not? It is changing. It is changing. But 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 the 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 the. What I see is that uh, motivation is being taken away. I mean, if you open up the media, it's always bashing about agriculture and it's all about climate change and, and they blame the farmer. And that has to stop. I mean, I cannot, I cannot understand why, why farmer groups cannot get together and say, listen, we, are, we make sure that the economy is turning because of us. And that's something yeah. I, I I don't I don't get at the moment uh, that everybody is a little bit uh, uh, relaxed in what's going on. There has to be more action, way much yeah. more. No, I totally agree with that. And I suppose that that's what the next generation really uh, really want from from organisations. They want a, a clear, loud voice, but that's not really happening across Europe. But Hopefully that will change. Yeah. So you, so you, you mentioned briefly there about all your traveling, Carl. Just how many countries have you visited in the last years, and how many dairy farms have you been on? Yeah, that's a tough one. But I was counting last night, and uh, so far I've been to forty-six countries and in six continents, and uh, everything involved with uh, farming. Well, like ninety percent is all about dairy farming. And uh, the reason, well, because it's my passion, but also what you see in different countries is something you always remember. Do you see an idea what you can use or you can? And what I try to do is I'm trying to find the most progressive dairies in, in each country because you have to have models where you can learn from. 
I mean, if you want to raise the bar, you go. You have to go to the extreme. Otherwise, you can. You you will not get, increase your average. Probably, I've visited over three thousand uh, farms so far, dairy farms so far, and it's still still going up. I mean, I will be in uh, Kenya in two months from now. I'll, I was in Vietnam last year. I was in Pakistan already four times. So I, every time I, I see I see new new, new farms or new, new ideas or I help people. Getting back to our, our topic a little bit, Carl, um, what's your definition of a well-designed dairy, and what farms or farm immediately come to mind when you think of the best designed farms? The best designed farm is for me. Uh, it's one in France, and it's owned by Philippe Derue. Maybe you know him. I know Philip very well. I bought some cattle off him over the years. Yes, Novale. I think it's one of the best designed dairies I know so far. I've been, as I said, I've been all over the world. And uh, every time every, people ask me, what would you change? I said, well, you come with me and we go to we go to France and I'll show you this farm. Because it's so well designed and well thought of on how on, on, on how to how a dairy should look like. I mean, the design of the farm is, is, it's, it's, you can expand, you have an overview of the farm, it is quiet at the farm, it's uh, all automated feeding, uh, you can turn it into a, instead of a conventional barn, you can make it a robot dairy, it is so well thought of, and then also, he wants to be uh, energy neutral, so uh, solar panels, uh, windmills, uh, manure digesters. Uh, it's it's for me. If 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 I if I if people ask me what is the most what is the the, the nicest farm you can go to, then I always send them to France. Really, and I've seen many, really many farms, but this one is one of his own. And F F Philippe has a, an interesting background. I don't think he originally. I don't think he's from a dairy background originally, is he? Is no, he? no, not at all. Philip is a real good friend of mine, and he started in the mining industry. He was That's a right. coal miner, and that That's was right. like uh, 35 years ago. So he stepped into into dairy farming. Uh, With a different set of eyes, probably. From, from the side. So he saw everything, what he, what, what he would like to do. And that's something, what I, what, what I see also is that you have to travel around and, and see what's going on and, 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 and look, look at, at farming as a business, what I've told you before, what, what I see in the US, for example. Carl, you, your, your expertise is, is in daring. That's your passion. It's, it's always so clear to see. Um, and so many of your designs and advice, I think, are transferable into, I think, other ag sectors. What are the three most important elements in designing a dairy that has a positive impact in team performance and staff retention? Well, that was also a question I was thinking of. And uh, well, if you travel the world, then you have to work, and, and especially when you go to larger dairies, I mean, a family farm can run 140 cows with two people, but then you grow and then yeah, you are, uh, uh, you have to work with people. If you're working with people, that is for me. Well, training is probably the most uh, is the most important to be to be successful. Uh, what I see is that there is a lot of lack uh, a lack of job description because they hire people and the people they and you think they know everything, but they don't know anything because your ideas of running. Uh, the, the, the farm is completely different than your neighbor. So, and that is... Uh, where, does the, where, does that, where does that training where does that training start, Carl? Does that training start with the owners? And it then, starts with the owners. Yeah. Because every, every person is different. I mean, if I, if I start working for you, then you will, will tell me what I should do. And, 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 and you name people, you, well, what, 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 what you see is, uh, for example, especially here in Europe, is that uh, that the labor force they have on the farm? They have no expertise. They're coming from Romania. They're coming from uh, from Poland in the past, uh, Czech Republic. 
but they don't have any exp uh, experience with running with running a farm. So how will they ever take responsibility if they don't know what to do? And if you if you think your 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 those people are cheap, well then you will you will get lost soon, eh? because the day they they find another job where they can make two cents more an hour, they they are gone. They will not take responsibility. What you have to do is you have to create a team around you. Then also make protocols visible. And uh, what I want to say about that is uh, I was in Pakistan at a big dairy, 2,400 cows. They're going to expand to 7,000 cows. And uh, they took me around real proud. I said, well, I'm really happy that you're taking me around. But I immediately see things, what, what, what you can improve or what you can change. For example, we came to the milking parlor and uh, they had a big sign up with the milking technique and what is the procedure. Uh, you have to clean the teeth and dry them, blah, 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 blah. But it was all written. I said to them, listen, uh, what is your problem? Well, we do, our, our, our people, uh, they are not good enough. Uh, I said, well, I, see, I said to them, well, listen, the reason is hanging against the wall. What do you mean? I said, it's all written. I said, make it visual, make photos on what you have to do. Why? I said, well, listen, you, you take people off the street who have no experience, who have no skills at all, and you, you want them to start milking. Probably 20% of them is enough, uh, they don't speak any, they cannot read. I said, how, how, can, how, can you, how can you ever explain it to, to them? I said, make pictures on what they should do. So they did. About three months later, they called me. It's the best consult we have ever had. Yeah, quite simple. And, and and those people are proud to can that they can work on the farm. So that's well, cheap labor doesn't exist either. I mean, if you don't treat your people well enough as your own children, they will gone one day, hundred percent for sure. And I suppose that reflects in the in the in the retention part, Carl. But when people feel invested in through proper training and, and, and educating and job descriptions, they, they, they'll, they'll become, they'll become uh, part of that, they'll, they'll buy into that team and buy into you what you're trying to achieve. Exactly, exactly. Look, look at Riverview in the United States. They have uh, 180,000 cows on 15 different dairies. They have the lowest turnover of personnel in, in, in the dairy industry, less than 1%. Well, what do they? Well, those those farms I want to go to because I want to learn. I want to see how they, how they manage things and how they manage their, their personnel. And, yeah. and 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 it's all written down. I mean, they have everything penciled out in detail what what people should do. People are so proud that they can work there. And that's something you have to 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 work on. Definitely, and that, and that that's that's aspira that should be aspirational for any any dairy business that doesn't matter what size, if it's two hundred cows or two thousand cows, that's what you really want to aspire to to have your your team following you. Carl, the, um, there'll be a lot of farmers listening to this um, with dated facilities that are still very functional, um, and they'll probably be screaming at the. Uh, uh, listen to this saying, I, I don't have two million to spend on a greenfield site or, you know, but without, without asking farmers to break the bank, um, what are the three sort of non-negotiables that all dairy farms should have incorporated in their facility? Well, you have to make sure that you have, ha that you have happy cows. That means work on cow comfort. Make sure the cows, if you, if you treat your cows well, the cows will treat you well. Uh, dry bedding, fresh air, clean water troughs, uh, make sure hoof trimming is done twice a year. Then use good genetics, feet and legs, other type production health traits. That will breed cows that would stand the circumstances of a commercial operation and be profitable. And then I'll give you examples. They need to produce 10,500 kilos of two years old and, 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 and they grow and they, they, they slowly mature and make sure they have 35,000 kilos lifetime production for the whole herd. Those are the things what, what, what doesn't cost you a whole lot of money. Don't, 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 don't sacrifice on, 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 well, I don't want to spend 20 euros on, on, a, on, a, on a semen straw. 
I mean, it's the best investment you can do. A lot of a lot of people. Calf yeah. hutches. I mean, just make sure that you, that you do the the best what is available for them, and and you have a tremendous return on that. Yeah, a, a lot of people say genetics is is the only free thing you get on it. It's not free, but you know, some people do say that it's it's a very very good return on that investment that twenty dollars or the forty dollars or whatever it is so yeah no that's 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 a interesting answer carl one of the things i've noticed when i've traveled around uh, dairy farms over the last number of years i'm convinced that there's a, a limited amount of milk that can be produced per square meter off the barn or, or the or the shed um i've sold and you you have as well carl considerable number of animals from well-designed well-managed dairies in the past where the total milk sold actually goes up once the remaining herd ha has more space. Um, in your experience, have you found the sort of the sweet spot with regards to the number of cows per square meter and the total milk sold? That was also a question what I was uh, thinking. And uh, well, what I see when I design farms, and that's what I did uh, when I was in the US or I was in, uh, in Pakistan or Vietnam or in Europe when, uh, well, quota was gone and a lot of uh, farms were expanding. Yeah. And I used a minimum of nine square meters per cow. And that including the feed, the, the, the cubicles, the, the, where they walk, uh, everything included well you have to consider like nine square meters a cow if you're straw bedding you have to go up to 12 and 13 square meters a cow but uh, for me the performance of a cow is uh, phenotype and phenotype is determined by through genetics and i yeah. think genetics comes in for 10 percent and 90 percent is environment and management so in your breeding decision, you have to improve the weakest trait to have the fastest improvement. And I've told you before, when you breed for the extreme, for example, you have a weak trait, uh, let's say feet and legs, then use the best bull you can find what, what, what has the highest uh, deviations for feet and legs and use them across your herd because then your average will go up. It's something and you know him as well, uh, our, our friend, uh, Papa Quaini. He told me, yeah. he said, listen, if you want to, if you want to improve your herd, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, raise your average, you have to go for the extreme. Otherwise your average will never, 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 ever go up. And that's what I see, for example, in mating programs, they want to do a complementary mating and they are looking for so many traits that you don't improve anymore. No, I discuss, I remember discussing that at length with Peppo and uh, the the results the results in the Castle Verde herd uh, in Cremona over the years been been phenomenal and that's and you can I, I see that in lots of the like Riverdean Riverdean Mark Nusford as well is exactly the same breeding philosophy. Um, but as you say those the mating programs don't they don't achieve those sort of uh, it's it's almost the opposite Carl. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's why they well, it's it's the technique doesn't stand still. But but look at look at uh, at, at all the semen providers nowadays is uh, they only can sell numbers. They're not selling. They're not selling the the the. the, the uh, I mean, chromosomal mating and all that. All that what what is coming around? I don't believe in it. Sorry. It's, 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 they don't, you have to look at cows and you have to improve your breed. It's quite simple. Look, I, I don't, I, I don't get attracted to a, a bull that is 3,500 in TPI and who is, uh, has high runs and short teeth and, and, and just so, so legs, but he's maybe high in, in health rates. So what? Breed for a good cow. Yeah. Robotics have, uh, and continued impact, uh, what's happening on, on farms around the world. Your son, Lauren is currently in, in Chile, I think, Carl, is that right? As, 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 as part of the management team on, on the largest robotic dairy in the world. And I, I know we'll have him on the one and only next year when, 
when the topic will be about robot robotics in, in food production. I'm looking forward to, to having Lauren on. Ro robots are doing more and more. They're, they're milking, they're feeding, they're handling. Have you seen any new developments uh, on your travels uh, with regards to robotics? Well, regarding robotics, um, well, robotics they came in and they became really, really popular in the in the last in the last. Uh, well, the first robots are what over probably thirty years old, but yeah. now in the last in the last uh, fifteen years, I mean, robots are are. Uh, well, if I if I see in Belgium, about forty-seven percent of the farms are robot already. So you cannot stop that anymore. It's uh, the just a second here. Um, um, the evolution of, of robots for example you buy you buy a new phone today tomorrow is outdated you buy a new computer tomorrow is outdated today you buy a robot tomorrow is outdated well i mean they yeah. still can fine-tune it but what you see is they keep developing and and and, and keep fine-tuning the robots till well that everybody can work with the, with a robot in the, in the in the past you have to, you needed to have a technical skilled people and i don't see in five six years from now that probably it's not necessary anymore because what you see is those big companies like uh, lely or dilaval or gia or whatever they will monitor your farms uh, constantly and they will send you spare parts what needs to be changed it's the same it's the same as you buy a new car you are constantly monitored uh, while when you are going over those mileage uh, you have to go in for oil change or filter change or whatever and with robots will be exactly the same. I was at a dairy in uh, South Dakota. They have uh, 90, uh, no, they have 24 robots uh, and uh, they doubled. I was there unexpected visit uh, on a night at 7, 7 p.m. last year. And uh, the guy was, uh, there was a guy running around. Ah, oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. I said, oh, can we visit? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Do you have time? Yes, yes. What are you? I'm the night shift guy. One guy running 24 robots doing the calving and everything. So wow. now what they did, they ex well, and then in total, the total shift of the of, of the whole farm on 24 robots, which is what 1400 cows, uh, was uh, 11 people, and that's including feeding, breeding, calving, everything. Uh, now they doubled in size. They have now 48 robots. And uh, they're running it with 13 people. Wow. It's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. The design of that farm, I mean, it's, it's just, well, what, 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 it's one of the best farms I, I can, I can, I, I know at the moment. A robot there is. And, uh, and they're, they're, able, they're able, Carl, South Dakota, and I've traveled there a lot. They have no problem with like freezing in the wintertime. Is that, are they quite enclosed? Um, Robotic barns up in South Dakota. In South yes, Dakota? yes, yeah. completely. Uh, all those uh, bigger dairies, they're all uh, cross ventilation. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, well, there is no room to 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 let them outside. Uh, and and for example, my son was at the at the dairy in Chile. That's the biggest one in the world. They have eighty four robots milking at the moment, but uh, they start. They will go to ninety robots in uh within within the next next months to come and uh production is 46 46 kilos per cow a day that's just phenomenal so that's sort of production that we never would have dreamt about uh, 30 years ago but it's and i i still think there's there's potential for that to continue to improve yeah, yeah and, and 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 well you go to that farm i was there in last april because i was in the us and well from the U.S. flying to Chile is, is only eight hours instead of flying from here. It's 24 hours. So I went to go and see my son, and I was just amazed about the, the quality of feed, the quality of animals, the layout of the farm, the, the the design of the farm. It's all forced milking, 
it's just unbelievable. The number of visits they have per robot, it's just phenomenal. They, 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 they well, if you produce 46, uh, 46 kilos with uh, 5,000 cows on the robot dairy, then you know what's going on. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Also, what they, what they have is, uh, it's a Dilaval uh, uh, dairy, and uh, what you have is, uh, during the day shift, they have uh, eight robots per person, and during the night shift, it's uh, 16 robots per person. So there are only three guys qualified or technical skilled to when there was a, a breakdown, and all yeah. the rest is uh, just walking and bringing up the cows and the, and and all all that. It's just unbelievable. And I see I what I see is uh, in in the next uh, in the next 20 years probably will be will be 75% robots. Even, have you even, noticed the big, any, even the big dairies. Have you noticed any difference, Carl, in the nu nutrition of a dairy farm or, or how and when you feed a, ro a robotic herd? Is that different than a normal uh, milking parlor herd or not? Uh, no, no. But that's something, a question you should ask Lawrence because Lawrence was uh, involved as uh, assistant nutritionist at this, at this dairy. Yeah. And uh, what he was looking at, what he was monitoring was uh, he did a, a, a mixing a mixer wagon audit and then also regarding dry matter intake and refusals and all that. And he was just pushing to have more dry matter intake. They take that they're talking like 28 kilos of dry matter intake, which is that's the normal that that was the minimum goal. Yeah. We, we would never do that in this part. We could never do that in this part of the world with our climate here. But yeah, but that's that's phenomenal, isn't it? Phenomenal. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Well, you have to you have to see it to, to believe it. Eh? Yeah, Carl, th th this pro yes. this probably will be maybe difficult to answer. However, I would like your opinion on these sort of three things. What what part of building design can impact milk production? most and, and why and also the sort of the same the same question with regards to longevity and, and fertility well if i uh well what 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 you ask me is indeed it's a difficult uh, question to answer but uh like micro things what could, what you can change is uh, make sure you have clean feed alleys with coating that there is no mold what what can can be developed i mean you have to push for 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 uh dry matter intake that 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 you have that you that, that you can increase the milk production well use feed pushers make sure you have clean water troughs i mean they should be cleaned every day that's a protocol what needs to be done and that's something i i, I don't i don't get you have to have a minimum of nine centimeters per cow of water trough that they have access to fresh water every day, every every minute they, they, they walk by. Uh, well, what you see is a lot of uh, uh, green bedding, in, uh, especially in Europe. But uh, what I saw in the US, and that's why I always go to the US, because they always have advanced techniques. They use mattresses and they put uh, green bedding, like the, the separated manure on top of it yeah. and it works perfectly uh i love sand bedding but uh, sand bedding in our climate is almost impossible um then avoid heat stress events uh, especially in the summer of course but also cold stress but uh, use ventilation sprinklers sockers uh well all those things combined they will definitely have a big impact on production on on longevity on uh, fertility everything combined it has to be a perfect match for for everything and that's how i see out and that's why i travel the world just to see uh what's going on and as i said before i go to the to the to the farms where i can learn the most for example i was at perry creek in iowa and uh, the milking seven thousand cows and there are only two cows in the hospital pen. It's phenomenal, huh? Can you imagine? 7,000 cows, only two cows in the hospital pen. 
So they must do something wrong. Uh, they must do something right. I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's penciled out into detail. Eh? They, they we went over the repro uh, uh, figures. Less than 1.8 insemination per pregnancy over the wow. whole herd. The goal, the breeding goal, is to have 13 uh, percent of the herd. Has to be over four lactations. Yeah, they're, they're, that that's exciting. They're for me, they're exciting figures, Carla. They're. I mean, they, they and, and then I said, I said, well, you have any heifers for sale? Well, you put your put yourself on the list because I don't. I have my my customers. I I, I cannot take any more. It's yeah. just unbelievable. It's all penciled out to details, and and it's and and it's it's a combination on on all the questions uh, we have covered. It's it's about job description. It's about personnel. It's about labor force. It's about teams. It's about nutrition. It's about cow comfort. It's about heat stress. It's about feed pushing. It's about dry matter intake. It's it's a combination of of everything. And and that that that's why Carl, I asked you to come on today because over the years I've always loved talking to you about dairying and 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 milk production and so many other people you talk to it's all about you know we our topic today is designing the future but you haven't talked about really spending money you've talked about making sure all those protocols and making sure the water the beds all, all of those things all of those things that most dairy farms can be improved just through doing things in a in a really uh, correct and and yeah, with, with with good protocols, and that that and that's that's probably why a lot of the farms you work with are really successful. Was you you uh, enforce those simple things are done correctly day in day out. Yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. That's that's always been my strategy. And and I, for example, I was I, when 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 quota was gone. Uh, now, oh, we want to make we'll milk uh, 150 cows, and we want to we want to expand to 400 cows. I said, well, 400 cows. Okay, no problem. But just take the calculator. The average time you spend on a cow, it's 26 hours a year. That's including milking, feeding, hoof trimming, uh, treating, uh, transition, everything. I said, listen, you take 400 cows times 26 hours. It's 10,400 hours a year. You have to spend on cows, 400 cows. How are you? How are you able to do that with two people? It's not possible, because no. you have only 2,400 hours max per year. Yeah, but we will find we will find we will find labor. Yes, but make sure you have a, you do a job description first before you find labor, because nobody that, will come. That that's a figure, Carl. I've never heard, but that's that's an incredible. Just just repeat that, Carl. Each each cow is twenty. On, on average, on average, and that means if you are fully automated, uh, automated, you need twenty six hours per cow per year. Yeah. Okay. If you're not automated, then you are anywhere running like uh, thirty to thirty two hours uh, a cow a year. Yeah. So just multiply the number of cows by 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 the hours you need to spend, and then you know exactly how much time you have left. But there's not much time left. Not much time left, no, no. Carl, that that's phenomenal. Let, let's talk a little bit about your your global travel travels, Carl. Um, your famous Bovigen uh, cowhead sticker is on hundreds, if not thousands, of dairy farm entrances around the world. It's just just amazing. I, I always smile when I see uh, that cowhead, and just yeah, I normally say, well, he's been here as well, but. Um, T tell us, sh share with us a little bit about the story behind. I'm not the only one who says that. You have been here. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, the, the, the cowhead, the cowhead came. I'll, I'll, show, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the honest story. The cowhead came from the, the Holstein Canada logo without a maple leaf. So we, okay. we, 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 we took the counters, the, the, the contours of, 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 of the head. And we designed the the cowhead. So a guy uh, was working for Eddie Pusimier. He designed it, and uh, I've helped him fine tuning. But he said, "Well, I don't want to commercialize it." I said, "Well, listen, I want to take it over, but I'm not going to commercialize it either. I'm going to put it on for free." So everywhere where I go in the world, 
I have my co-head with me and I put it on any door what I can see or what I find. But they have to be good genetics. They have to be <laughs> top performance. They have to be they have to have the management skills do that they deserve a, a, a co-head like, like what I put on. So there is no name on it. There is no contact information, but everybody knows it's me. And it's uh, so far there are probably 3,500 already all over the world. Everywhere I go, or where Lawrence goes, my, my my son, he will take them along and puts them on. So within 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 I don't know, maybe in another 15 years, and then uh, every dairy farm should have one. <laughs> I, I didn't realize I didn't realize there was a criteria for for getting one. So I'm I'm pretty privileged, Carl, because when I lived in Canada, you put one in my uh, on my truck. <laughs> but no, Carl, tell us t tell us a little bit about um, like you run a very successful farm tours business and you you take tours all over the world, um, and you've told us already about a bit of a, a, a memorable tour. But just share with us share with us a little bit about how your tours work and and where you take take farmers. Okay, so I have uh, uh, I organize on a regularly basis uh, farm tours. Uh, I try. I always combine it with uh, with an event like a show or a, or a machinery show. Everything that has to do with agriculture. For example, I have, every year I take uh, I take uh, people to uh, to the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California. No. From now on, I will go to the Canadian Dairy Expo in uh, Ontario, Stratford. Uh, then I, uh, what else? Central Plains Dairy Expo. Then I'll do all the major shows in Europe. So, and I try to combine it with uh, with 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 farm visits, and I, I send out invitations to people who are who might be interested. So up till now, I always travel with small groups, like up to 15. Uh, just to uh, to avoid that you have grouping in in, in 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 the group. For example, if you have 35 people, then uh, they come to a farm and one is uh, sitting in a carriage and the other one is in a mixer wagon, and the, the people who are the, the people what you are visiting are not no longer interested. So that's why I keep my my my, my groups small, and then also I have the opportunity to enter farms where nobody else can get in. For example, you want to go to Faria in, uh, in in Texas, it's not possible. If I call, probably I will get in. No worries. Or Riverview, or some some of those farms, and they that, that's what, what that's the advantage of traveling with a small group. Also, what you see is that you will create friendships forever. I mean, with a small group, you always within within two days, then they have the biggest fun you can ever imagine. Nobody knows where they're all from, but they're all. Let's say always in the same in the same age category or the same interest uh, category. Uh, then I do uh, uh, well. I travel. I do Azores, for example, but that's mostly for older people. Uh, anyway, but what are the memorable tours? <laughs> well, I had a big tour in uh, in 2013 with uh, organized. I organized for uh, Worldwide Sires. Germany, and they had 45 people with them. Germany, Austria, uh, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Slovenia, Czech Republic, Poland, and they had to organize. I said, "Well, where do you want to go? Yeah, I would like to see something else." So I started in Arizona and then went to Las Vegas. Got to Las Vegas. Said, "Well, listen, we are staying only one night. Uh, make the best out of it." But tomorrow morning we have to we have to, we have a full schedule. Tomorrow morning we have to leave by 8:30. Yeah, okay, no problem, no problem. So <laughs> next morning, out of the 48, about 42 were missing. Stop <laughs> 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 hanging out in the casino, having a buffet, uh, drinking beer. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> Fantastic. Then, then we went to, from there on. We went to uh, Nevada, Utah, and then we flew to Madison. And well, Madison, I mean, that's something I really hate. They they call it a World Area Expo, but it's 
the local mentality is, is something I, I, I cannot go get over with. I mean, if I, if I go to an international show wherever in, 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 in Europe, I always can get in for free. But in Madison, it's not possible. They, they ask you $15 or whatever, you times 48 people, it's, quite, it's a lot of money. So what we did is uh, said, listen, uh, I go sit in the bus with two other guys and the rest will go in the luggage storage under the bus. You do realize this podcast, Carl, will go around the world, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was just unbelievable. Oh, not another one. Uh, Oh, with, 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 with all young guys, uh, the youngest one was, was 19 and the oldest one was, was 22 or 23. So I wanted to get into a bar in, in, in Las Vegas yeah, and it's all security all over the place. Yeah, you cannot, you're not allowed to drink alcohol and you cannot get out of the path and blah, blah, blah. I said, well, listen, we'll take our identity cards with us because then you, you have black and white uh, photos and it's, it's in the dark. It's a, what we do is we swap. I go in and I give my identity card to somebody else. So it looks almost familiar to me. So and that's how we all got in. 23. 23 guys. Oh, I said, well, listen, tomorrow morning we have to leave very early because we're going to visit the dairy in the desert. Uh, they are milking 4,800 cows. I said, who wants to join? I said, well, listen, I want to have a diplomatic vote. I said, who wants to join? But we have to leave early. I said, well, or we go, or if we're not going, then we're going to stay here and we party all night. So, 23, 24, raise their hands. <laughs> so, you can safely say the Bovigian tours are good fun, Carla. Eh? Well, that's, that's, that's amazing, Carla. No, just we're, we're, we're getting, uh, just maybe we'll, we'll speed it up a little bit, but I do want to yeah. get your opinion on this. If you were a, a young person milking cows in Europe today and you had the chance to uh, sell up your enterprise and move anywhere in the world, uh, from your experience of traveling, where, where, would, you, where would you go now? Where, where's, the, where's the best opportunities to milk cows in, on, on this world at the moment? Well, before I do that, and if I was still young, and still young is like under 25 or under 30, I would uh, jump on a plane and uh, wouldn't come home for the next two or three years, just to find to find out where do you feel comfortable. Yeah, uh, I would definitely go to a place, uh, settle to a to a place where is uh, where the people are entrepreneur-minded. That means they look at you as a business person, that you want to make profit, that you want to make a good living, that you that you uh, contribute to the economic uh, development in the region where you're in. Uh, then where agriculture is in general is seen as an economic part of the industry. I would go nearby the bigger city where it's also socialized and uh, socialized social and airports nearby. I mean, within reach of uh, two hours. Then a place where it's political, safe and structured. Uh, I don't. I don't want to go to a place where is uh, where uh, next the next year is new elections and there is uh, completely different uh, decisions regarding uh, uh, long term long term uh, uh, developments. Uh, well, also uh, the countries. Well, I rank them up in uh, safe countries and uh, the more adventurous countries. So the safe countries, I would go to Canada, Sweden, Denmark, United States, New Zealand, Tasmania, part of Australia, France, then less safe. I mean, that what I what I consider less safe is uh, well, you get to get you get to know the, the language, which is mostly a barrier. Romania, Hungary, South Africa. I don't know how the, the circumstances are at the moment. And then the more adventurous uh, countries are Brazil while completely South America. I would go to Vietnam, definitely. Uh, Tanzania, East Africa, uh, UAE. Uh, well, it's not that you're going to start a farm there, but if you uh, are in the, if you have the skills, then you can be a manager of a, of a 10,000 cow dairy, no problem. Uh, then the very adventurous countries are Turkey, Philippines, Indonesia, Pakistan, Kazakhstan. 
those are uh, well countries what are developing their dairy business at the moment and they they looking for for skilled people and then the very 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 adventurous countries are nigeria ethiopia iran uh there is there is there is a potential but nobody wants to live there yeah and and it's also uh, yeah those those countries have a, they have a lot of potential but also they also fall into maybe the not the not safe you know the not safe they're not maybe secure politically like are they really yeah this is a this is a bit of a hypothetical question, but it's sort of in keeping with today's topic, designing the future of farming. If you could wave your magic wand and redesign the milk market in Europe, what would that look like? What would that look like? Well, listen, uh, I look at it a little bit as, uh, from a different angle, and uh, the reason is uh, last year November, uh, the world population passed. 8 billion people. Since then, it has grown with 54 million people since November 15th, up until today. It's the same size as Italy in population. That means agriculture needs to feed the world. Uh, what you see is, uh, I'll take the example of, of Nigeria. The middle class is 28% in Nigeria. There are 230 million people living in, in Nigeria. The average dairy consumption per capita is 7.6 kilos, which is nothing. Compare that to Europe. In Europe, is about the average will be anywhere between, between 80 to 115. And if you go to Finland, it's close to 200 uh, kilos per year. So for example, if you, if you multiply that, 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 that 7.6 times 2, which is only 14, 14 and a half kilos, which is still nothing. Then can you imagine how much it's needed? Then you go to those markets, you go to Pakistan, you go to the most African countries, their population growth is about 2.5%. Nigeria is yeah. 230 million, 230 million times two and a half percent. Can you imagine within 20 years from now, 25 years from now, there are 400 million people living. They all need to be fed. And dairy products are the best uh, products to, 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 uh, to feed the people. And that's what I think is uh, uh, Europe has the biggest advantage of expertise and knowledge if it comes to finished products. If you even if you have uh, semi products like uh, uh, wool milk powder, butter, cheese, uh, uh, skimmed milk powder, whey. I mean, that can all be exported. Eh? It's it's yeah. it's uh, and and there is there will be a demand. And what I see is, for example, with the EU, and they are trying to get the 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 nature uh, restore, uh, and they want to cut a number of of uh, of uh, hectares of land uh, just to protect the flower and all that. Yeah, it's all good, but if you take that into a long term, the thing is, I don't know where the feed is going to come from. And, and, and I think the time is in favor and the time is in change for the ones who want to, who want to continue. There's another thing is average uh, age of a dairy farmer in Europe is what, 57, 15, 58 years old. Yeah. So you, you take, today we are 2023. Today, 2030, it's only seven years from now. Those people are gonna be 65, they will be out of business. The, the 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 young the young farmers who want to take over they have to they have to be stay they have to stay focused they have to stay motivated because the world is changing and it's changing in their in their favor it's 100 percent for sure and yeah, no, I, I, uh, but but there's one thing what i should do you have to start small so you can learn and practice put your input costs as low as possible and make sure you're in the top 5% of the producers. Make sure that you can add value to the things you produce. 
and probably there will be one day that you instead of uh, that you are a price taker that you're a price setter that you say to your milk processor well listen this is my milk price this is what i want to get paid and that's future is going to come 100 percent for sure but it will yeah, take probably another another five maybe ten years but it will change 100 percent for sure yeah i believe that carl so we just want to wrap things up carl just um I've mentioned at the start, we've been involved in several exciting projects over the years from chartering large cattle ships and, and all sorts of things. And I hope one of these, I hope I, we've talked at length with chartering a plane and taking a, a full plane load of dairy farmers to World Dairy Expo one year. And I hope that, and I, and, and I want to run the mile high, the first auction, <laughs> high in the sky, the mile high, I've already named it mile high genetic future sale. Um, share with us briefly a little bit about that sensational idea. And also, will you be the pilot? <laughs> well, indeed, we have done we have done a lot of things together. Oh, my God. I remember remember uh, driving down to Italy we had to bring two heifers. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they were, they were. I did import them into Belgium, and uh, for the Ladinas, I housed them in Belgium, and then we had to bring them to Italy. But the morning before we left, I bred one heifer, the Mason, I think, or a Lee, no, a Lee, and I bred her I to Alan. Alan, I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I bred her to Alan because Alan was not was a bull they could no, never use in uh, in uh, in Italy because Italy. there was no import permit. So the, we we drove down we drove down to to through France. I said to Glenn, I said, listen, Glenn, we have to go and see one cow. Oh really? What is she? Ah, she is she's by, by a jump yard bull, but she's out of a hell of a family. Oh really? Let, let's go and see her. But I did buy her. Oh, oh that's. Ottawa, yeah. Ottawa. That, that Ottawa. was the year. That was the, the. I bought it the year before because I saw the show in Paris. I said, "Well, this is the one I want to get." But then, due to foot and mouth, we couldn't we couldn't export her. And uh, the year later, or the same year in 2021 in October, I still remember last week of October. So we drove down to to Italy and we stopped along the way to go and see Ottawa. And well, you were so excited. <laughs> She was a beautiful two-year-old, beautiful guy. Yeah. Oh my God, she was, and then and then her dam, she was Langerla, probably the one of the best cows that ever lived in Europe. Yeah, she was ninety-seven points. No, she was a ninety-five, oh. ninety-five, but she was. I mean, you could break her down, and she would ninety-seven all in every part. She was a Sky Chief. Was she called Sky, Sky Chief? Sky Chief from a Starbucks. Yeah, right. Goes back yeah. to Crackholm breeding. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, those was one of the of the of the stops we had, and it was <laughs> then. And she went on. She went on to be a national champion in Spain. That young cow. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> then, uh, well, food and mouth came, and then Roy had a wonderful idea of uh, sourcing heifers in, uh, in 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 Germany. So. <laughs> We had to bring people in to buy heifers, and uh, at the end we ended up with a with a, a boat full of heifers, <laughs> all housed at the, all housed at a, at a farm in in in, uh, in the Eiffel uh, area in Germany. That's right. And we we, lo we, we loaded the ship. We loaded fifteen hundred heifers on the hottest day of the year, and. Uh, yeah. I remember making the phone call to you, Carl. Was it Roy made the phone call about we need six ton of beet pulp delivered to the docks in the next hour, and and you organised it. <laughs> yeah, that was some great memories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then another project was uh, thinking of organising a world dairy show somewhere on the, in the Middle East, but because we wanted to do it in the Middle East, and we get all the sponsors from the sheiks. <laughs> yeah, and well, fly the cows from all over the world to compete with each other. Well, and then the last one, and that's something I was, uh, I'm still trying to do. That was uh, prior to COVID. 
that was the plan to uh, charter a A380 plane, what can hold 500 people, fly start in Milan, and uh, uh, pick up the dairy farmers or the breeders, then stop in Germany or in Amsterdam, pick up another 150 breeders, and then stop in England, and then pick up another another bunch of breeders, and then fly to the World Dairy Expo for two days. And meanwhile, on the plane, well, we could organize, uh, well, the in the seat pocket in front of you, we put in the catalog with the sale we want to organize. We would have pointers all over the plane. <laughs> we would have it live on screen. That was a satellite. And that, that, was, that was in my mind. And I still want to do it, but I don't know if, if I will ever achieve it. But uh, it's st still one of my, 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 my future goals and dreams. I want to achieve. Yeah. If I will be the pilot, I don't know. We'll see. We'll do it. Anyway, I ask I ask everybody this, Carl. I, I look forward to it. I, I, I really want to do that one day. But I ask everybody this on the podcast, on the one and only at the end. What's what's your favorite sort of podcast or, or YouTube channel that, that you enjoy listening to that you would suggest to uh, our listeners? Well, the thing is, and uh, I want to be honest with you, I have, uh, I have, uh, I'm not a big podcast fan because of just lack of time. And uh, but uh, now my uh, my son Lawrence, uh, he sends over. Uh, well, I gonna he's he's now on his way back from Italy, and I'm gonna sit down with him together about. Uh, he listens to post podcasts all the time regarding management, regarding uh, feeding, regarding protocols regarding human resources and those are the podcasts i really would like to hear especially in agriculture because yeah. the agriculture is the economic drive of everything eh? if there is no agriculture there are no ec economic activity anymore and, and 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 we have to create we are we are we are in the world to 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 train people to motivate people to uh, that they have uh, access to the right to the right knowledge and that they are responsible to feed the world in the years to come and that's how i want to conclude thank you carl thank you i really appreciate you giving up your time to be part of the one and only this month and i really look forward to seeing you somewhere in the world hopefully at uh, hopefully at world dairy expo uh, in october and uh, no thank you really really appreciate it i just love to as normal, the, your passion and enthusiasm for this wonderful industry is uh, always evident. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. So until next time, folks, be good or be good at it. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the one and only podcast. Don't forget to like, follow and share with your friends to never miss out on an episode.